The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. This is an Ethereus podcast and it's syndicated on other radio networks. And today we're going to be joined by two good friends of mine, people I've worked with for many years on many projects. We're going to be joined by Nikki Perrett with A Moment of Truth and with Noemi Bates, who's been on the show before with her guest practice that she's going to lead us in. And of course, we're always joined by our producer, Darren Ball, the mover and shaker behind this show, puts the whole thing together for us. And we're looking forward to hearing some comments, which we're very grateful to you all and your questions. I don't know what they're going to be. Darren's going to read them to me for the first time, a selection of them, and I shall try to answer them as best I can. But today... We're going to do something that I'm absolutely confident no radio show has ever attempted to do before, with one exception, actually, and that's Ethereus Radio Live, which is a monthly show presented on BodyMindSpiritRadio.com by the Ethereus Society. Myself and Chrissy Blaze host that particular show with many others, too. But other than that, no show I know of, and I'm quite sure no radio show has ever focused for an hour as its main topic on solar existence. That's the beings who live on the greatest intelligence that we witness, that we actually feel the radiation of, namely the sun. And this is a very, very holy topic. I must say I'm approaching it with great trepidation, tremendous unworthiness uh, myself, I just have to think, well, someone, I suppose, has to do this. This is a very, very sacred topic. It is the ninth freedom. And I would tell you this, that just prior to the ninth freedom, Dr. King, the medium, as you'll know, if you're a regular listener for the nine freedoms, and by the way, if you are new, we welcome you very warmly. Uh, We know this is syndicated on other radio stations, so you're welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show And I would recommend you to go to the Nine Freedoms page on www.ethereus.org, where you'll see the whole background to the Nine Freedoms, how it was delivered through, I believe, the greatest medium we've ever uh, heard of on Earth, uh, certainly that I know of, uh, namely Dr. George King and the intelligence who delivered them, Mars Sector 6. And that, by the way, is a code name. It's a pseudonym. This is a vast, great intelligence, a a virtual lord, a veritable lord, I should say, of karma. So that's the background. And I was going to say that just prior to the giving of this ninth freedom, solar existence, Dr. King, the medium for that transmission, was attacked, uh, psychically attacked, Uh, by dark forces who did not want this information revealed. That's how sacred this is. Uh, The attack was unsuccessful, Dr. King being himself an absolute expert in psychic self-defense. By the way, if you ever want to know about psychic self-defense, there's a superb lecture on psychic self-defense delivered by Dr. King. And you can find this, again, on the same, the Ethereum Society website, and it will really help you in your life if you need that. And some do, especially spiritual workers at times do need that. Uh, We all do. Uh, But I would say that as well as, of course, uh, hearing about the Nine Primes, there's a wonderful book on it. And these are some lines from it, which are published in the book because the whole text is published in the book. There are also some great lectures by Dr. King, outstanding lectures on it. But here on the Spiritual Freedom Show, we can focus in on just a few pearls of wisdom And sometimes we take it from one freedom, sometimes from another. This is the first time we've taken extracts from the ninth freedom delivered over 60 years ago. And in that, uh, Mars Sector 6 said that the nine freedoms have been given to Terra, which is Earth, at this time in order to stimulate and raise the consciousness 
of the few thinkers. Use this information well, for it will change you, for it will cause multitudinous thoughts to come into your mind. For this information will be the dawning of wisdom for you. That's referring to all the nine freedoms, including the most advanced of them, which is way, way beyond our capacity, of course. The seventh, we've touched on the seventh, the eighth, we've touched on the eighth, and now the ninth, solar existence. Uh, these are interplanetary existence, Saturnian existence, and like the solar existence on the sun. This is way beyond us, but there are lessons we can draw, a change of consciousness. Our internal vibrations will be altered by this knowledge, and that will affect us here and now. It will also attune us more to the other much greater intelligences in this solar system, which we are, we certainly should be more, but we certainly are part of that cosmic family, if I can use that phrase, and we should be more attuned to it. And we'll find that the path that they follow on a much, much more elevated level is nevertheless an example in our much smaller way of the path we should be following here on Earth. So let's go straight into this first extract then from the Ninth Freedom as delivered by Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King. Together they blend to form the mighty sun, not the essential life of the sun, but its very radiations. This is total freedom as far as this solar system is concerned because it is to some extent a greater limitation than any can realize. Together as the one they work, radiating power and energy to all life streams in the solar system, radiating the very power of their bodies, the very energy of their hearts. Amazing words. Uh, an absolute revelation that there really is life on the sun. And that life is described here by Mars Sector 6 as total freedom as far as this solar system is concerned. Total freedom. You know, we really don't understand freedom very well at all upon planet Earth and what it really is. We mix up freedom and free will, of course, all the time, and they are so different. And we see it demonstrated here in the ninth freedom. I must say, most people would really draw the line at the, any idea of there being life on the sun. I did an interview some years ago, actually, with uh, the Astronomer Royal over here in Britain for our, um, our listeners in other countries. Of course, we still have unusual positions. We have an Astronomer Royal here. Uh, in, in the days of Queen Elizabeth I, we had a royal astrologer, by the way, by the name of John Dee, but that's a whole other subject. Uh, but this Astronomer Royal is Lord Martin Rees, extremely knowledgeable uh, very courteous. I, I did an interview with him on a station called LBC, uh, a major talk station in, in the UK. And it was on the subject of life on other planets. And I must say, having sometimes found myself in studios with various astronomers, including the late Sir Patrick Moore and others, uh, on the subject of UFOs, I wasn't too hopeful. And I was very pleasantly surprised when Lord Rees uh, was extremely open-minded about life on all the planets in this solar system. Uh, and there is a great, great change going on uh, in the scientific community about life, multidimensional life, and many forms of life, many forms of consciousness. However, he did, I have to say, draw the line when I spoke about the possibility of life on the sun. And of course, he couldn't 
be more wrong on that point because there is no more important life in this solar system on any planetary body than solar existence because without it, none of us could live. We, we wouldn't exist. They provide our existence. And it's, it's a beautiful aspect, really summed up there in the extract we heard by Mars Sector 6. Now, before we get into that, let's just look at, uh, I think it's time to take a little breather here and look at exactly who uh, Mars Sector 6 might be uh, to make a commentary, to know so very, very well and understand in such detail the existence of these intelligences. And I want to stress here that Mars Sector 6, as I said earlier, is a pseudonym. This intelligence is far more even than what might be considered, if, if you can conceive of such a thing, a typical Martian. Uh, he is... I'll just give one example, actually. There was an event on July the 8th, 1964, and the full contents of that event are available to members of the Ethereum Society. And it was, it was a complete blow-by-blow, as it were, description of that event. It's a holy event. It's called the Initiation of Earth. It's no secret about that. And the intelligence who directed this event, and it could have been, I assume, any intelligence uh, in the solar system could be possibly given that task, but it was given to Mars Sector 6. Uh, he was chosen, and during that particular initiation, energy was directed through a solar lord. The lords we're going to hear more about uh, as we study the Ninth Freedom extremely elevated, the most elevated intelligences in the solar system. But, and this is the point I want to make, even that solar lord during this initiation was directed in a very reverent, extremely respectful uh, manner, as you would expect, but nevertheless directed by Mars Sector 6. So when this intelligence reveals the nature, the status, the motivation, the life, of solar lords, we can take it as an authoritative statement of fact made by an intelligence who is in a position to know, namely Mars Sector 6. And so let's look in the light of that at these words. That's just so that we can gain confidence from the authority of this great lord. So he says this, together they blend to form the mighty sun, not the essential life of the sun, but its very radiations. And that's uh, different from everything we've encountered so far in the nine freedoms, because these laws of the sun, uh, if they're dwellers, I don't know whether that's the right word for them on the sun, but probably it isn't. But they they exist on this mighty orb, but they they form the sun, but not the essential life. That's their, if you like, their master is the essential life of that intelligence, the logos, if you like, of the sun, but they still blend so much with it and with each other that they are part of it or they form it, says Mars Sector 6. And that's quite an incredible thought. So when we feel the rays of the sun upon us, which can be a, a wonderful experience, those rays have come from the solar lords, amalgamated one with another in perfect synthesis, if you like, with the intelligence of the sun itself. And these radiations travel, of course, not just within this solar system, but throughout the galaxy and even beyond it. And we have a perfect expression and a demonstration of what total freedom really is as far as this solar system is concerned, because, says Master to six, to some extent, they're under greater limitation than any could realize. Uh, to some extent, I think, because the planets themselves, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, and so on, they are even greater than these lords. That's actually the next step up, even above a solar lord. That goes even beyond uh, the nine freedoms, and they're operating under even greater limitations, especially, and this is a tragic thing, but especially the Mother Earth, because of us, because of us, but still, this limitation under which the solar lords operate is extremely limiting, and yet it's that which gives them their total freedom. It sounds paradoxical, but it's not. Even at a lowly level, 
we could see how we can learn from this, I think, uh, accepting and understanding that, that voluntarily agreeing, not through force, willingly accepting a certain limitation in order to do what? In order to serve, in order to accept the karmic law and abide by it is freedom and a sense of freedom, a freedom of true expression. Uh, even a master, a great master, a true master on earth knows that. They fully accept the karmic law. They don't need to learn. I mean, we, one can always learn more. Even they can learn more, but they know one thing, and that is it is foolish not to follow it. It is wise to follow it, and they do to the fullest of their capability if they're a master, a master being a man or a woman, of course, of from this earth I'm talking about now. Uh, or an ascended master, or a cosmic intelligence who happens to be here. So they set themselves that limit of to obeying the law, and from that limitation comes their freedom in so many numerous ways. And you could take it onto a, perhaps even a more lowly level and say that selfishness is not really fulfilling. I think a more evolving person, hopefully a listener to this show, is realizing that, has already realized that, whereas selflessness, even though it's on the face of it uh, a, a less advantageous thing to do, on the face of it is actually the root of to fulfillment. And in fact, the more impersonal that service, strange enough, the more fulfilling it can become, again, despite appearances to, co to the contrary. Now, the solar lords are the living, permanent example of this, they demonstrate it 24 hours a day. I can say that because the 24 hours a day are measured by their radiations and our contact with their radiations. And of course, the five major pranas and the five minor pranas come from and through the sun as far as all life in this solar system is concerned. They don't uh, stop for a break. I know that sounds ridiculous, uh, but we could take it for granted. They, they carry on continuously radiating this life. And as a result, we have existence. Uh, we are solidified sunlight, in fact. That's really what we are, according to the Master of Theories. And together as one, they work, radiating power and energy to all life streams in the solar system, radiating the very power of their bodies, the very energy of their hearts. And the power of their bodies, of course, and Dr. King explains this, is the food, the air, uh, the universal life forces. It's in the, on the air. It's in the food. It's in the water. We wouldn't have existence without it. And the very energy of their hearts, that's the illumination, the highest inspirations that we experience. And it all comes as a result of these great lords completely sacrificing all the time uh, their free will, it, which is only a theory to them because they're way beyond that concept anyway. They gave that up before they ever got to uh, planetary existence. But they are demonstrating it, and we have before us all a living example, uh, which we can actually feel at certain times of the year, of their divinity uh, and expression of their divinity through constant, unremitting sacrifice. It's a most amazing thing. It's the most beautiful thing. We're now st really starting to study the gods of the gods, you might say, and how they operate and how they give, 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 and give again. And it's really another. We always seem to come back, no matter how far we go, we come back to service. That's really the nature of an advanced intelligence. And it's certainly the nature of the ninth freedom and the lords of the sun. Now, at this point, I'm going to have, with great pleasure, introduce again Darren Ball, who's going to uh, share with us uh, the, some of the comments and we've received, some of the questions we've received. So welcome, Darren. Hey, Richard, and thanks, and, uh, thanks for having me on. And hi to everybody who, who's listening in today. Well, it's um, certainly consciousness expanding, always is, of course, but I think this is a, another level, as you've said, Richard. And um, I thought I'd just underscore one of the points that you made, which is that, you know, elevated as, he, as these teachings may be, we can still all find ways to apply them in our lives. Um, yeah. You know, we can aspire towards, as you said, a life devoted to service, for example. 
we can live according to the the great laws as far as we can. And I think one of the most inspiring things, you know, just for me in terms of what you've just said is this perfect cooperation with which these beings on the sun all work together. I think Absolutely. it's um, it's it's a really like amalgamated together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ama- amazing thought. Um Anyway, I must say thanks to all our listeners for you know comments that continue to come in, questions, and especially the little stories that people have shared. Uh, I've got, I've, I've had quite a few psychic and healing stories in recent weeks, which we've, um, which we've read out a few, and they've been really good to share with everybody. So do definitely keep those coming in, as always, um, to Spiritual Freedom at Richard Lawrence at Coda UK. Um, I'd also like to invite you to check out Richard's website, by the way, for other shows he's appeared on recently. Uh, to share these cosmic teachings, and that's richardlawrence.co.uk. So I thought I'd jump in here, Richard, with uh, um, a question we've got in from somebody. Um, yeah. You know, because when we talk about the sun, we often think about creation, um, which yes. drew me to this question from our audience. And this person says as follows, I always thought of creation as having no beginning and no end, but did our universe emerge from a titanic nuclear explosion that scientists today call the Big Bang? Is there an Aetherius Society interpretation on creation? I would really like to know it. Wow, that's a vast question and a very profound one. Um, so I'll put it very briefly, if I may. The, mm. uh, and Dr. King has explained this himself on several occasions. And uh, I believe in the commentary to the Nine Freedoms, it's contained in there too. Uh, it's essentially taken uh, in our belief from the, what the ancients taught of an out-breathing uh, followed by an in-breathing. So creation was the out-breathing into manifestation and then the in-breathing is a return back to that state of perfection from which we came. So before creation, there was perfection, but it was in an unmanifest, unmanifested state. Then came the out-breathing, manifestation took place, involution took place, and through that experience is gained as we journey back through evolution to whence we came the divinity from which we came, but with this experience gained. And I think it's wonderfully expressed actually in the 12 blessings with we return to the Godhead as conscious gods. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, just a comment from Dr. King on that, him him saying that's one of the most beautiful phrases in all literature, I think, that mm. he's come across, and I yes. you know, have to agree. Yeah, yeah. great <laughs> great summary there in brief. Um I have another one here I thought I'd share with you, which is that, um, you know, you've talked a few times about mediumship on the show, Richard, and about guides too, I think. Um, I thought this was an interesting question from someone looking for guidance in this area. And I quote, hello, I'm reaching out because I'm curious what you feel the best way to communicate with my guide may be. I meditate about once a week and haven't quite had any communication that I can notice. What do you suggest? Well, uh, first thing is I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, I'm not trying to avoid the question here about communication with your guide in the sense that it's not essential. Sometimes you won't know. A thought will pop into your head. It's an inspired thought or a a helpful thought. You still have to analyze it. By the way, even with a guide, you don't take it as read as being absolutely true because a guide is a very good, a very selfless individual, actually, who's helping us here but they're not infallible. And if they're a good guide, they will, they, will, they will know that. And so they're just giving you feedback and it can be extremely helpful. And sometimes you don't know whether it's a guide or whether it's come from your own intuition or indeed it's just a thought that's popped into your head. So you still have to analyze it and you can still follow it. So I think it's something I would say that you know emerges gradually. Now, if you really want to go for it, I mean, I really went for it and this isn't essential by any means. I mean, healing, prayer, that's essential. But some of us uh, sort of have a a, a, a leaning, a feeling in this direction. Then you need to develop something like clairaudience, that psychic hearing, so that you can absolutely tell the difference between a Mm. message you're receiving from outside of yourself and something that's coming from your own self. But as I say, it doesn't really matter as long as it's good and helpful. Yeah, certainly. And I think if, um, if someone really wanted to go for it, as you said, and they pick up a copy of Realize Your Inner Potential and do the breathing practices in there, for example, make that a daily spiritual habit, um, mm-hmm. I think that would certainly help them on the way to it would. contacting their intuition, etc. It would. And then along the lines, you know, it will happen quite naturally if it's meant to as part of your spiritual mm-hmm. progression. It doesn't have to be forced, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
So I think over to you, Richard, to continue. Yes, I think so, because we're coming to our what we've come to call on this show, our MOT, our moment of truth. And I'm very pleased that this is going to be presented today by Nikki Perrett. Uh, I welcome her to the show. She's someone who works very hard behind the scenes often, uh, both on this show and on particularly the Ethereus Radio Live, which she produces. Uh, she's a full-time staff member at the Ethereus Society. She's been a close follower of Dr. George King since 1972, when she was 16. She's run many services in our temples and online, uh, and she is going to be sharing with us a moment of truth. I would just say that she's assisted me on many projects for years, including the recently published biography, The King Who Came to Earth. So welcome, Nikki. Well, hello there, and thank you so much for inviting me. I consider it a tremendous privilege to be a part of this brilliant show and, of course, the Ethereum Society. So anyway, my moment of truth. I consider myself fortunate to have been introduced to various aspects of yoga at a very early age, the teachings of Swami Vivekananda and Swami Sivananda. Throughout my childhood, I was always an avid reader and spent many a happy hour or several hours even. And my household chores often suffered or got forgotten. But I immersed myself in a different world, delving into my mother's amazing library of yoga philosophy, mysticism and theosophical writings in order to feed my hunger for truth about life as well as life after death. I read what was available at that time about Atlantis and Lemuria. I looked into the beliefs and philosophies of other ancient civilizations, such as Egypt and Greece. I researched Buddhism, spiritualism, healing, and the Rosicrucian order. But even these studies could not quench my thirst for truth. I knew that there was still much, much more to uncover. In 1971, when I was 16 years old, I was in for a very big surprise. My quest was about to take a serious turn into true spiritual reality, truth. One day, my best friend from school called up quite excitedly, telling me that there was a series of meetings being held locally in Amersham, where I lived, at the time, by a UFO organization based in London called the Ethereum Society. At first, it didn't really grab my interest, as I wasn't into UFO spotting or questioning about whether or not UFOs were real. I knew they existed. I knew we were not alone. There had to be life on other planets. And really, what I wanted to know was why they were visiting Earth. Well, my friend thought that even so, this could be right up my street. And when she mentioned Mars and Venus speak to Earth, she was absolutely right. So together with my mum, we went along to this meeting and were warmly welcomed and invited to take our seats, which happened to be near one of the loud speakers. The reason for mentioning the speakers will be made clear later. Introductions were made and the talk followed. All very interesting, I thought different, and surprisingly for me, gave some answers I had been searching for. It was then announced that we would be hearing one or two of the communicators through Dr. George King. And I thought, well, things seem to be going along okay, so we'll see what happens. We were asked to sit quietly with our eyes closed. Well, nothing, nothing could have prepared me for what was about to come. What boomed out of those speakers, and remember I was sat near to one, was unforgettable. I literally jumped out of my seat, but then remained riveted, glued, or whatever the saying is, to my seat. I could hardly believe my ears. The voice was undoubtedly not of this world. It was surreal, yet the purity and clarity of the words spoken and the extremely high vibration of them were so real, so authoritative, so genuine, so true. The message was like a clarion call to action. Whew, as soon as those first words were spoken, I knew instantly that for me, that was 
the voice of the law, the voice of God. And the first words that boomed out of those speakers, this is Mars Sector 6. The rest is history. The Nine Freedoms is without a doubt my favourite with its life-changing teachings. They have been my spiritual lighthouse, which has shone its brilliant light along my path to God through service for nearly 50 years and continues to guide me throughout my life today. I still feel the incredible power of that moment of truth, even now, today, totally, totally unforgettable. Wow, what a great moment of truth. Thank you, Nikki, for that. Thank you very much, Nikki Parrott. And, well, I think that really does uh, fit in so well with the Spiritual Freedom Show because on this show we are very fortunate to be able to play extracts from Mars Sector 6 and actually listen to this voice that uh, changed Nikki's life and it, it goes to illustrate, I think, some a point that uh, we have made before. It's not just the words. It's not just the great teachings in written form, but the energy, even the sound of their delivery, which also carries not just a physical resonance, but a spiritual one too. So that's great. And uh, we're going to be hearing that voice of Mars X6 just in a moment on this show. And just before I do, because we're now returning back again to the ninth freedom, solar existence, I think this statement, which occurs in the ninth freedom, is quite a surprise to a lot of people, even possibly shocking to some people. Uh, some might not really get it. They might not see it. But to others, it makes perfect sense. Uh, you'll see what I mean when you hear it. And then when, we, when you've heard it, we'll look into and examine what it could really mean. So I'm now going to ask Darren, please, to play us our second extract today. It is little wonder that the ancient scribes who wrote the Bible regarded the sun as God. It is little wonder that even in more ancient times than this, they worship this as a god, a form deep, deep down beneath the slime of man's ignorance. There was a burning, a spark of the divine which burned with the self-same flame as burneth this mighty globe. So, the ancient scribes, says Mars Sector 6, who wrote the Bible, regarded the sun as God. And we have to remember when we consider the Bible, it's been through many translations. I mean, this is where we are so lucky in the Aetherius Society, by the way. Uh, you could look at a, a book and, and any of the great uh, Bibles, actually, uh, from, from the East and the West. And they've all been through various translations. Uh, certain alterations have taken place through accident. It's very easy to do. You've only got to read a newspaper about yesterday's news and you'll find errors in it, never mind something as old as, uh, as one of these uh, books. Uh, and also, just added to that with the Bible, you've got some deliberate alterations have come in as well. Uh, now, that isn't to say it's, it's, it's meaningless or worthless. It still contains some great truth, it, but it can't be taken, I'm sorry to use this phrase, as gospel truth. Uh, it's actually true to a greater or lesser extent of all the ancient teachings. Now, on this show, uh, that's why we go right back to the source. And by the way, when we were working on the biography, for example, uh, we went to the audio source. We didn't even just settle for the written transcription because even there, by sheer accident, just human error, just occasionally, 
mistakes can creep in. For example, actually, in the Nine Freedoms, in the book, and this is very rare, by the way, because we check every one before we do the shows, but it's little. it says it's little wonder that the scribes who wrote the Bible regarded the Son as God, but in the original tape version, which you've just heard, it says it's little wonder that the ancient scribes who write, wrote the Bible regarded the Son as God. The word ancient was left out somehow in the book. It doesn't make it untrue in any way at all, but it's just a little example, and a very rare one, by the way, of this happening, even with the best of possible intentions. Never mind, I'm afraid, with the history of uh, Christianity at times, uh, not such good intentions. But let's me re- repeat again. It's, it's very, very rare. Now, in the Bible, you'd have to multiply this kind of human error to the power of thousands, I think. I mean, can you imagine if Moses had carried a portable tape recorder as he received the Ten Commandments? That's what we have here with the Nine Freedoms, by the way. A Lord delivering it through the most brilliant medium the world has ever seen, I believe, Dr. George King, and we have it on tape as it was delivered unaltered over 60 years ago. And of course, the Ten Commandments, for that reason, I'm sure, were inscribed on the tablets of stone, but we don't have those tablets, I'm afraid now, to check against, or I'm sorry now. But in the society, we do. And on the Spiritual Freedom Show, we do have this accuracy. So in the light of that, let's look at these very interesting words that the ancient scribe who wrote the Bible regarded the Son as God. And I'm sure many theologians would dispute that, by the way. Uh, The ancient scribe suggests to me uh, the earliest books of the Old Testament, and at a time before modification of their writings uh, may may not have taken place. So let's turn to the very first words of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. And in that, I'm just going to quote verses three to five, first chapter of the Bible. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. That's all about the sun, is it not? That is the action of the sun. Light, all light, comes, of course, in this solar system from the sun. Our days, our nights, our evenings, our mornings are all measured by our position in relation to the sun. In fact, this earth, according to the teachings received by Dr. George King, was created by the sun using, and this is, an, this is a revelation now, the female planet Uranus as a preservative force during the creation process. And you won't hear that fact on any radio station broadcasting today, I don't think. Now, at the end of the book of Genesis, Uh, Coming to the end of that first book, we learn about Joseph, who was uh, prominent in ancient Egypt and brought the upholders of the original belief, the belief in one God, uh, which, as we now know, was the sun, into Egypt. And after his demise at some point, uh, Jews uh, were uh, enslaved. And then we had, of course, interestingly, sometime between then and Moses, we don't know exactly when, came the Pharaoh Akhenaten, a very curious, interesting uh, person, being, whatever he was, whether he'd be an ascended master, a cosmic master or not, I don't know, but he certainly would seem to fit that bill. And he introduced for some 40 years in ancient Egypt, as you might know, sun worship into the kingdom by proclamation, uh, and it lasted until his demise. And then came Moses to, to, to free not just the Jewish people, but others, actually, because they weren't known then as Jewish people anyway. But it's the belief in one God, which we now know being to the Son, which had to continue. And I'm afraid it continued in a very limited manner, a very debased manner. I'm sorry if that's offensive to anyone, but I think it's quite clear. And then we come to, uh, and I apply that to all religions, by the way, uh, you very often get a great uh, teaching and then gradually it gets sort of compromised, modified, uh, you know, assimilated into everyday, ordinary, very ordinary life. That's what tends to happen on this earth. 
And then we come to the New Testament, and again, lots of modification there. Uh, the Gospel of St. John, uh, it's actually not written by St. John, uh, according to scholars. It was passed down through the decades by those who'd learnt from him. Now, St. John, we do know from our teachings, was an interplanetary master, as indeed was St. Peter, by the way, uh, of course. Uh, but in this gospel, and I'm going to go to the very beginning of it, verses 1 to 4, it reads as follows. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And I, I think that is an absolute description of the Son. I don't think you can dispute that. And the, the word itself, and by the way, there's a brilliant, brilliant lecture on that word. The lecture is called the AUM. You can obtain this. It's an initiation. Uh, you'll be taught by Dr. King, who was a master of that particular mantra, who had actually heard that mantra emitted by the sun in his meditations. Uh, I do recommend that. And this is emitted every 30 Two minutes, Dr. King revealed by the sun, uh, and that's the word that was God, the word that was with God. And this signifies, as I say, definitely the sun. Now, Mars sector six then continues and he can, goes on to uh, say it was not just uh, the, uh, the Eastern scripts. In fact, there's a quote uh, from in the 12 Blessings in which Master Jesus, in the eighth blessing, for those of you who are familiar with it, and for those of you who aren't, this is a quote. This, referring to the Son, this is the God of your Bible. It is the Brahma of the Hindu scripts. So Mars Sector 6 is referring us also to even more ancient times than the, the ancient scribes of the Bible, and they worship then the Son as God. Now, I just make an interesting comment that the word Brahma, uh, which is, of course, is the creative aspect of divinity in the ancient Vedic Hindu uh, pantheon, as you might call it. That word Brahma isn't terribly far from the name Abraham. Uh, and Moses was informed that the God of Abraham is, and I'm now going to quote this exactly, I am that I am. I am that I am, which, by the way, is an exact translation of an ancient Sanskrit mantra. So it's getting very interesting, is it not? These links, uh, they worshipped this as a god, says Mars Sector 6, and then goes on for deep, deep down beneath the slime of man's ignorance, there was a burning spark of the divine which burned with the self same flame as burneth this mighty globe. I am that I am certainly would fit that particular bill. So it's quite a revolutionary to some concept, but a completely logical one. I would say a provable one with metaphysical contemplation anyway. Uh, this statement that the ancient scribes who, who, who wrote the Bible and even more ancient times than that, they worship the sun as God, even if they didn't realize they were doing that, by the way. Uh, for deep, deep down beneath the slime of man's ignorance, there was a burning spark of the divine, which burned with a selfsame flame as burneth this mighty globe. And I, I would refer you to a practice which has been led for us twice, actually, on the Spiritual Freedom Show, and I'm sure will be led again in the future, and that's the practice of the presence. Indeed, if you tune in to our online services, um, it's used on every occasion. You can be led in this practice of the presence. And if you are, you'll see the symbology of the divine spark. How is it symbolized? By a miniature sun, a golden sphere from above the head. And from this comes a great golden radiance. And let's come back to solar existence. These are the rays of the sun, these lords. They, are, they form the sun. 
So this is tremendous. It's a wonderful practice. You can do this every day. I strongly recommend it, the practice of the presence. But you can see this universal um, acceptance of the sun as being divinity. It's the, the nearest thing to divinity we ever experience. We don't physically touch it, but we are touched by its radiance. We are touched by the solar lords. And uh, you can see why people crave sunlight, sometimes not for the right reason, but it's a, an instinctive thing. And it's a, it's a great and wonderful force. And it's, as far as we're concerned, it's the nearest thing to God uh, in our concept of creation in this solar system. And by the way, just before we leave the practice of the presence, you can also obtain that in the practices of Ethereus and in the book, Realize Your Inner Potential. So that's our first go, as it were, at an aspect of the ninth freedom. And we'll be touching on that again. But whenever we do, we'll do it with tremendous reverence and humility, because this is, as I say, way beyond my pay grade. I just look upon it like somebody has to to teach this, and, and people do, and we do. Uh, but of course, this is something so holy as to be beyond our true comprehension. Uh, we can just get glimpses, and those glimpses will change us in our life here on this earth and how we function here on this earth. But I'm delighted to welcome our next guest back to the show again, uh, Noemi Bates. She's been very active in spiritual work for decades. She's run many services. She's held lectures and workshops and appeared in the DVD that accompanies Realize Your Inner Potential. Uh, in fact, she designed the cover of the latest edition of that book, and she also designed the cover of the book, The King Who Came to Earth. So today she's going to be giving us practical ways in which we can all make positive thinking and affirmation a part of our everyday life. So welcome, Noemi. Well, hi, Richard. Thank you for having me back on the show. Pleasure. And uh, I must say, I could just listen to this topic about the sun all day. So fascinating. Good. So on this occasion, I would like to say a few words about the importance of positive thinking. And I would also like to guide listeners through a very simple practice, yet an effective one. Many of you have probably had someone to tell you to look on the bright side or to see the cup as half full. And the chances are that the people who make these comments are positive thinkers. It's important to have a positive outlook on life. But it's also good to ask ourselves the question, do we see the glass half full or half empty? Do we try to see the positive in life or do we tend to dwell on the negative and therefore fail to see the good side of things? Admittedly, it is much more difficult to stay positive when we are going through challenging times in our life. But we are told that positive thinking, visualization, and also affirmation are potent tools for happiness, especially spiritual happiness, success, and well-being. There isn't a doubt about that, and we can easily prove it to ourselves. But it's also important to note that Positive thinking is not about putting on those rose-colored glasses and ignoring existing problems, because such an approach is likely to have the opposite effect to what we are trying to achieve. So instead of ignoring reality in favor of the silver lining, experts suggest we cultivate a definite belief in our abilities, have a positive approach to challenges, and try to make the most of bad situations. As Nikola Tesla said, the gift of mental power comes from God, divine being. And if we concentrate our minds on that truth, we become in tune with this great power. Very wise words of uh, Nikola Tesla. So believing in ourselves and our abilities is very important because within us is a very potent and versatile power. So let's use the power of positive visualization coupled with affirmation to bring about very definite changes within ourselves. After all, imagination is our only creative faculty, as said by Dr. George King. So let's just do that and put it into practice. 
And for this session, you will need your full concentration, so I would ask you to join in only if it is safe to do so. So let us now sit up straight in our chair, with legs uncrossed, so the feet are touching the ground. Place your palms facing down on your legs, close to your knees, with the fingers spread out, and close the eyes. And for a moment, just see how you feel. Do you feel relaxed, calm, or do you feel tense? Just become aware of your body, and let's start with the feet. And slowly work upwards, identifying any tension in the body. For example, if your right foot is tense, give yourself a mental suggestion to relax. Just think to yourself, my right foot is relaxing. Or tell your right foot to relax. Feel the tension melting away. Slowly work your way up the whole of your body, feeling the tension dissipating. And if your mind wanders, gently pull your concentration back on relaxing the body. It's very good. Just relax the body. And if we have any aches and pains, see them, feel them, getting better, or just melting away. We can spend longer on this practice. But when we have relaxed the body, Let's now turn our focus on our breathing, which is very important. Make your breath deep and even. Expand the lungs as you breathe in and pull in the diaphragm lightly up on exhalation to squeeze gently as much air as possible from the lungs. Breathe in and out through the nose only. Just make your breath long and even without straining yourself. Drawing into yourself universal life force prana. Charging you up with this dynamic energy. And while we do our deep breathing... Let's also incorporate an affirmation, which is a wonderful way to feed our subconscious mind with positive suggestions. Think to yourself, this affirmation, and even better, say it out loud and really mean it. Every day, in every way, I am getting better and better and better and better. Every day in every way, I am getting better and better and better. Really mean it. Make this affirmation dynamic. Just continue repeating it for a while. Every day in every way, I am getting better and better and better and better. Let's finish the affirmation. Open the eyes. And now see how you feel. Do you feel more relaxed, energized, positive? Just compare how you feel now to when we started this practice. This is a tried and tested affirmation which will help to improve your overall physical and also mental well-being, which is especially important in these trialing times. 
and it is often used to improve health conditions. And by continuous repetition, you are instructing the subconscious mind to get better and better. Therefore, you will start getting better. You are not feeding your subconscious mind with something that is untrue, but purely making a positive suggestion. And this is a very important point. And you can find this practice and other affirmations in Realize Inner Potential book by Dr. George King with Richard Lawrence. Thank you. Wow, Noemi, thank you so much. That was excellent. So thanks very much, Noemi Bates. And that, that's a practice you can return to. You can listen to that again, join in. It's very good for your physical and mental well-being. And do let us know. Please contact us and let us know just how you get on and how helpful that exercise is to you. And Darren, I think we have just a couple of minutes left if you have any questions or comments to uh, to share with us. Yeah, thanks very much, Richard. I just thought I'd say, um, just before we get to a couple of closing ones here, that um, if you have been tuning in, I'd love to invite you all to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, whichever one that is, to help us get the word out about these teachings of Mars Sector 6. So I've got a couple here, Richard, I thought I'd, thought I'd pick out this one. Someone um, recently listening to the show and said, I like that one a lot. Great show. Who is the Master Chang Fu? He's mentioned at the end as the master who answered the question about why we don't remember past events and other lives. Is Chang Fu from a different vibration level of Earth? Thank you for that question. Master Chang Fu is a master, actually, who was in from this Earth, not an ascended master, but extremely advanced. He's actually on the highest inhabitable realm of earth which is level six uh, level seven is not inhabitable for long periods of time although it can be visited if you're able to do so and i would think i'm sure master chang fu would be able to do so but he dwells on level six uh, he is described as a tibetan master although his name would suggest a chinese name so i i'm only theorizing here maybe he went from china into Tibet, not that far. In fact, it's now part of China, of course, but it wasn't then. Uh, but that's where he dwelt. Uh, he is uh, a master who was communicating through Dr. King prior to the command, prior to his first uh, cosmic transmission. Uh, so he was, as it were, a very advanced guide, you could say, of Dr. King even mm. before the Ethereum Society was founded. And he has given some very interesting messages, some of them quite personal pieces of guidance to officers and different people in the Ethereum Society, especially in the earlier days. Yeah, I think he's one person that for me really underscores the connection between this realm and the higher realms and how um, you know, the role they play in helping to inspire and guide us in the spiritual yes, work. Yeah. Absolutely right, yes. Thought I'd finish with just this uh, this last comment here, Richard, uh, which I'll share from someone that came in, and they say, "I came across the show last night through my subscription to the Theosophy Literature by email. The podcast is music to my ears and resonating with it in its entirety. Numerous synchronicities have occurred since '93 in the last two years, um, and these synchronicities have just got louder and louder." Uh, kundalini wobbles at the base of my spine on a rail journey back home discovering dr king's book realize your inner potential finding the 12 blessings which i've only done one so far last sunday but it felt so good and has set the ball rolling this is just the beginning of knowledge and understanding which will lead to service in whatever form requisite for spiritual growth and expansion at all levels so thank you very much oh what a wonderful comment and thank you so much for sending it in we really appreciate that and i hope it encourages especially our newer listeners to the show. And I want to thank our guests again. Uh, that's uh, Nikki Perrett and Noemi Bates. Also thank our producer, Darren Ball. And especially I want to thank you, our listeners. And as always, as we close the Spiritual Freedom Show, let us remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Attainment. <laughs>